six-pack double feature. Two friends, two mics, two movies, and too much beer. Today, there's a new sheriff around these parts as the boys try to clean up this town and ride off into the sunset with Silverado and Tombstone. Say, barkeep, you got any of that good sarsaparilla? Peyton was a drifter. <laughs> Emmett wanted justice. Mal had a score to settle. And Jake? Jake was just plain crazy. Columbia Pictures presents Kevin Klein. Get some clothes on. Scott Glenn. You know, hanging around with you is no picnic. Rosanna Arquette. I think I'll ride along with the lady here. John Cleese. Today, my jurisdiction ends here. Kevin Costner. Hi, guys. Brian Dennehy. What's going on? I watch. Danny Glover. This ought to do. Jeff Goldblum. Excuse me. Sheriff, I'm a gambler who'd like to run an honest game here in your town. And Linda Hunt. Here's the good stuff. May it last a long time. In Lawrence Kasdan's Silverado. Used to be a peaceful town. Get ready for the ride of your life. What a big sounding trailer. Mm, it's a little too 80s for me. It was... Hi, I'm Bob Guyman. Watch our exciting movie. <laughs> in this, in the uh, time of your life, or ride of your life. Oh, I didn't even get that right. Oh, that's... Oh, that's you look like Chevy used... Chase in, in, in Caddyshack. I've never trying, used one of these before. Trying to make like he's taking the bottle top off the fresh bottle of Perrier. <laughs> you bumbling idiot. That's me. <laughs> I'm bumbling idiot. You are. Horse's ass. <laughs> Welcome in. This is Six Pack Double Feature. Where we talk about movies and stuff. And drink some things. Stuff. I'm... So, today's movies, well, today's first movie is Silverado. Yeah. And uh, Nathan, what are you drinking there? I'm drinking Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Mm. It is delicious. We talked about it's smooth. We talked about trying to do uh, some sort of relevant beer that was maybe brewed in Arizona or that was difficult to find. Out west, it is out. It's, There's it's, like a Tombstone Brewing Company, but I couldn't find anything that I could that they made that they sold out here. They sold here. Yeah. So I'm gonna have. I'm still. I'm gonna have some Budweisers. Still got some of those left over. It's. As old as the movie. It's as old it, as the movie. It and, takes place at least. Uh, and periodically, I'll have a I'll have a little bit of Bullet Frontier Bourbon. But uh, yeah. Oh, that's smooth. It's dangerously smooth. Like Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Nathan might be staying the night at my house, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, straight up top. Everybody was in this movie. Mm-hmm. If you were alive in 1985 and you were an actor, you were in this movie. Yeah. And if you weren't, you weren't an actor yet. Or you were dead. Yeah. Or they didn't like you. It's one of those. <laughs> or you just weren't cast in this movie. Uh, this is like, <clears throat> this is my, this is the Western of my childhood. Uh, I grew up watching this since I was a kid. Since, yeah. I don't know if I saw it in the theater, but I know that it was shared by my dad with me, like within a few years afterwards, if not soon after. How did you? It was available to rent. I was so. going to say, is it, did you first see it on rental? Oh, yeah. So, I didn't see it in the theater. So probably 86 then? Yeah, probably. Okay. 
Scott Glenn is a tall scarecrow of a man. Just just a peckerwood country music looking guy. That, you that know? peckerwood plays the he he he, he, cut, he yeah. cuts a nice dashing figure. He looks he looks good in it. Yes, like he's he plays that stoic kind of dude. Well, yeah, yeah. At least here he does. Pretty much everywhere. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. But yeah, it's definitely in this role. He's I'll talk if I need to, but not necessarily right away. Yeah, he's not the silent character, you know. But he's kind of a sort of he thinks about what he's going to say. What he's going to yeah. say before he says it. I was trying. To, I was going to say yeah. shoot first and ask questions later, but he thinks, then asks questions, and then shoots. Right. That's kind of what he does. Then asks more questions. One thing I noticed as well is you cannot fake shooting in the cold. No, and they, they not, shot not not at this time, not in eighty no. five. Yeah, not in, yeah, not. In this didn't have this didn't have Titanic special effects where they had the digitized breath. Yeah, yeah. This was all in New Mexico, and this was all really cold shooting. This was like it was it got considerably cold, especially at night. Cheat, uh, cheat or spoilers, whichever you want to call it. I did watch like a special feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, making a featurette, and they yeah they filmed over the course of the winter of eighty four or something. Yeah, because you probably don't want to shoot during summer. Not in New Mexico. Deal, deal, deal with the cold you rather want, than dealing with the really if hot. If you're in New Mexico in the summer, you want to shoot yourself. <laughs> um, but they did a really cool time lapse of when they built the city. Yeah, I did see that. It was it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Snow um, and sand, snow and sand, snow and sand. Yeah, there was a lot of snow buildup, but I remember <clears throat> one of the bits of like the. The behind the scenes that I watched as well as Kevin Klein talked about how he was the he was one of the guys that was throwing water into the bil- burning building oh, yeah. towards you know the end of the second act of the film and he was the only one that was staying warm and he was the only one that wasn't getting frozen because they said if he stayed too far away from the fire when he was throwing it in and anything bounced back off him whether it was just residual you know, mist and steam coming mm-hmm. back from the fire. If he walked away too far away, it would freeze on him. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I'm from up North and that, that happens. If you get like, if you're sledding or playing in the snow or whatever, and you have coveralls on and they get just saturated enough It'll and you harden. don't, you don't move that that'll, it'll freeze. And you're like, kind of like Randy from Christmas. Story. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I saw that in the featurette too. Yeah. Was, That's was, nuts. I think what I always like about the movie but also bothers me at the same time is you never know exactly where Silverado is supposed to be. They never I like specify. That. I like that. And I always want to search like, where is that? And I do searches for Silverado. And it just shows me a bunch of trucks. <laughs> 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 and so there's not enough of a huge fan lore of the film to go. We believe it's here. If it's in, uh, you know, Colorado or if it's in Northern Arizona or wherever, you know, well, Silverado's in New Mexico, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about the the scope of the landscape. I think yeah. the scope of the music, yeah. paired with that, which it was, it was meant to be sort of a love letter to, oh yeah, Western day, yeah. Lawrence and his brother who wrote the movie, yeah, and Lawrence who directed it. They they grew up on most John, likely John Wayne, John Wayne, Ford, yeah, yeah, John Ford and John Wayne Western. So, um, but it kind of feels to me like the first half of Jaws, like where the music's upbeat and yes. fun, and it's got the chimes, not the chimes, but the xylophone mm-hmm. in it, and it's a little like. Man, this is awesome. Like, I mean, we got to go do some shit, but nothing's bad going to happen. Never. No. Not at all. Not in a Western. Nothing bad ever happens Just in a Western. All happy four buddies, or two or three, four buddies riding around. You can already tell us it's going to. Uh, this was my first impressions, by the way. I can already tell it's going to play out slow, nice and slow, just like I want. Plus, 
You put John Cleese in anything, even if it's for a couple of lines or for the whole movie, it's going to be great. Yeah. <clears throat> this is probably, I don't know how many, I, I haven't dug through to try to make a list yet. And maybe we'll cover it in a pick six at some point. It'd be kind of be an interesting take on yours is what, like your favorite, like opening scenes or opening Ooh. sequences. This would definitely be in my top five or my pick six. Sure. And so if we ever cover it, this will most likely be covered again. But just how the camera just slowly pans to the left, kind of shows you the credits and shows Emmett in this little shack. And then he's just immediately bombarded by bad guys. By bad guys. And or some guys. fends them off. Yeah. It's dark. And then it just, after he lays waste to the three guys that are there, walks out. And there's just that huge yeah. expansion of scenery and landscape. And a then it says Silverado. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's, the it's only thing there. The only thing that gives me pause in that scene is when he goes over and flips the butt end of the rifle. Right. And it does the half gainer or the triple Lindy or whatever, and he catches it and wastes the last guy. Just grab the damn gun. <laughs> I get it. I wrote it. I want it to look awesome. And I it looked know. awesome. I know. Kevin Klein's character in this is so... Uh, I don't know what the word is. He's uh, not devil may care. That's what Scott Glenn is. Right. He's a smart ass. He's the, he's your, he's your he's, joke. He's your joke guy. He is kind of the joke guy, but he's, I mean, he, but he plays that when he needs to be a hard ass, he's a hard ass and it's believable. You yeah. know, he's subtle. He's, he, his his yeah. performance is subtle. That's what I was trying to say, I guess. When he is serious, he's serious. And if he's coming after you for a reason, you just best give him your hat and the <laughs> gun you're holding on to, or you're going to end up dead. Yeah. Whether it is his hat or if it always was your hat. <laughs> I've written down here that he is, he is, I believe, chaotic good at its finest. He is. He is chaotic good because there's still a bit of, like you said, devil may care yeah. kind of attitude. And uh, it's like I said earlier, I, when I talk about um, the pacing, it's it's going to play out nice and slow. And it's meant to be. It's meant to be sort of an epic story. Right. A Western. And it's... It, it's these. It's the story of these four different. It's the tale of these four different stories kind of coming together. Or these three or four different stories. Yeah, because one is paired with the other. Because yeah. one is, you know, I'm Emmett, and this is my, my brother Jake. My brother Jake, and, and he's a little. He's been dropped on his head a couple of times. <laughs> I sure can ride this horse. Yeah, but the, the way they all kind of the stories, very slowly. I mean, you, Jake and um, Payton. Payton, that's right. They they meet straight up, mm -hmm. and so their stories become intertwined right away, and then. The other two come in. Yeah. Well, there's a couple. It's the, the the other two main stories come in. They all they all meet each other by their entirely where John Cleese is sheriff. Yeah, basically sheriff John Langston. <coughs> sheriff John Langston. No, Langston. Come love, quick! Come quick! Uh, did you know that was uh, Kasdan's kid? Yeah, um, I've known that one for a while. Both I of did. the kids. The other one that yell. The other one that is his kid. I think it's Jonathan. Jake Kasdan is the Sheriff Langston come quick. Mm -hmm. The other one is his younger one, I think is Jonathan Kasdan. And he's the one that screams when he sees Peyton standing there in his long johns. His underwear. Yeah. yeah. His unders. It's sort of, it kind of reminded me of when he's laying out in the desert, sort of stranded like that. And I'll, I'll talk about this a bit later, but he, not this, I, I noticed this movie kind of mirrors a couple of things. Mm-hmm. It's a somewhat original story. Right. Fuck it, I'll just say it. It's kind of like a GoBots version of Tombstone. Okay. When you think about the whole movie, 
overall. <laughs> GoBots version of Tombstone. <laughs> That's pretty good. I never thought about it like that. I, I, I just love not, how they introduce all the characters, too. Sure. Because they take their time, but they don't take too much time, but they do it just the right way. You meet Emmett getting attacked, defending himself, and then you meet Payton, you know, in the middle of the desert. And then those two kind of just like, it's got some of the, and that has like one of my favorite lines in the movie. I mean, I'm going to jump all the way around, but it's like, it was just, they just jumped you out of the blue. I had to get up anyway. It's just so great of a, a way to deliver the fact of, yeah, I had to kill him, but I had to get up anyway. <laughs> The thing I noticed about Payton at the beginning was it was sort of akin to it was one of uh, Sergio Leone's with Eastwood when he's got the green coat when they make him walk across the desert and he's got nothing. Uh, that is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so it was kind of that was kind of maybe a little reference to that. Yeah. Okay, I can kind of see that. One of again, you jumped around to, um, but uh, yeah, the, a, a favorite just... line is, um, "Where are you going? Where's the Pinto going? <laughs> yeah, where's the Pinto going? That's that." All none of this. What I notice about this movie is there's none. There aren't any big trailer quotes. There's no, no. T-shirt stuff. It's just a story. There's no like I'm your Huckleberry. The only thing that I ever found that was even close to that line was when uh, Mal goes, "I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead." That's yeah. That's, pretty that's good. probably the closest to yeah. a specific like requotable yeah line. It's definitely not filled with the tombstone kind of dialogue. There's one more, and it's uh, how do we know this horse is yours? Oh, can't that's you my see, other. That's my other favorite line. Can't in the you movie. see this horse loves, loves me? me? I had a woman do it to me once. Didn't make her my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like I, it's like you and I were talking earlier. Uh, my notes on this are skeletally thin. Mm-hmm. I have lots of thoughts on it, but so I'll just jump right up to what doesn't work. Or I'll just ask you. I'll skip around a little. You can ask me what doesn't work when Emmett finds out that they took the little boy. Scott Glenn gets a little too melodramatic in his response, like finding out, you know, that Augie's in danger, cures a fractural, fractured skull, ribs, and concussion, like that. I understand it's the heroic moment, Mm -hmm. and the music is obviously building up to that. Mm -hmm. It just like really, come on, man. And then the other thing for me that doesn't work in this film is Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, that story was... The woman with all the shit in her face. That's Jody. <laughs> exactly. That's my wife. <laughs> I always forget that that's the same person. That was trippy, man. That was fucking trippy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... They talked about that in that featurette, too, but the... I'm glad they didn't pursue that story. I no, wish they would just... I. She's great in it. I just wish they had deleted her character because... Well, that's what we... That's we We rewatched it. Like uh, she didn't rewatch Tombstone with me, but she rewatched Silverado because that's one of our favorite movies to watch together. And she was like, "I just don't really understand her character." And when I was looking through the trivia, a lot of her role got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, and so she just feels she feels like she has zero charisma. She's a she always plays those weird kind of subdued parts anyway. Yeah, well, that's just one of them, um, and it just feels a little. She, to me, it feels like she's not bringing enough. It's not that she's bad. It's just she's almost forgettable. And like you said, you could cut her out of the movie entirely. And yeah, you may lose like maybe one really good line, which is, geez, Peyton, her old man even ain't even dead yet. Cold. <laughs> yeah, ain't cold yet. <laughs> and they play it for a laugh and then they yes. cut to the next scene. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> but outside of losing that joke... 
which kind of sucks, but I would almost keep her character in just to keep that joke. Mm. But then let her leave her character go after that. Yeah. They were going to pursue some sort of a, not a love triangle, but. Yeah, because there was kind of one that there was building up to because you could tell that they were both Emmett and Jake were interested in Laura Ingalls Wilder. (laughs) I can't remember her name. Laura Ingalls whatever. (laughs) Laura Ingalls whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But you could tell that there was an interest in the two. They are both of them were interested in uh, in her, but neither one really get very far. One's like I I don't want to be a farmer. Yeah. The other one's like I'm leaving town once we're done getting rid of and killing everybody that's bad here in town. I'm going to California with my brother. We need to take him to the hospital. <laughs> He's got a couple screws loose, and I've had a bad concussion. You know exactly. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm nursing three broken ribs. Um, yeah, I I I kind of kind of wish they'd just taken her out. You realize that Peyton would rather get with the Evening Star, the old lady. Yeah, Linda Hunt. Yeah, that's that, so that's how they were playing that, huh? I would see that he would be more interested in a romantic relationship with her. A than, woman intellectual. Well, not yeah. That, well, it's not that she wasn't. It's yeah. just that's hard work. <laughs> the so yeah I agree with you that that doesn't work uh, his the way Emmett sort of finding out there's danger his, it can cure it cures his concussion the other thing that doesn't work for me is how Kevin Costner calm the fuck down <laughs> we get it you're the wacky one you know well, for the first for the first and as far as I know only time in his film career Kevin Costner plays annoying. Well, plays kinda. plays loud, outwardly annoying. Yeah, yeah, because I think the conversation I had when we were rewatching it with Lisa was: it feels like Jake is playing seventeen, but whether mm. or not the the role was written for a seventeen year old, okay, or is he just playing seventeen? I got gotcha. you. You know, and yeah. that's where it's a little like, all right, we get it. But on the other hand, it's still funny. And it still works for, you know, when they break him out and he just unloads both guns on some guy with his shotgun up the stairs. He's like, that's a great line. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The other thing, those those are two things that kind of don't, it's not that they don't work, but they're they're noticeable. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I love how it's sort of an episodic one adventure Mm-hmm. Almost like Wagon Train or Bonanza or right. something. Right. It's a complete story. Each, I mean, each little vignette is a complete yes. story over the grander Yeah, it's not like, story. The, it's not like uh, the Sheriff of Turley, Sheriff Langston, comes back in at some point in time. Yeah, he just... And that's, no. And that's the greatest... Yeah, today my role ends here. Yep. <laughs> you know? That's the greatest cameo, too, because he comes in and he does a... It's a classic Monty Python. That's line. what I read. I, I had no idea, because I wasn't... I'm not huge on Monty, Monty Python, but yeah. I had no idea. What's all this, then? Again, I don't want to blow through this, but... Oh, what was it that I put down here? It's like, while in Turley... When Jake and Peyton break out of jail, who in their right mind chooses to break probably the only window in your room rather than taking two seconds to open it? <laughs> it's a movie, man. I know it's a movie, and we were talking about that as well. I'm like, who does that? You just do this rather than this, and then firing your gun. Yeah. It's your only ventilation. It's 1880-whatever. <laughs> and it's the winter. And it's the winter. Are you stupid? 
Is it Jake? A little. That, it's Jake. They did it. So Well, it wasn't Jake that broke the window, though. They were breaking out. It was some guy. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He breaks his window inside to out so he could fire his gun. Like, that's dumb. That's poor logic on this guy's part. <laughs> you dumb 19th century idiot. Yeah. Do you have a favorite line? Uh, I think we discussed those. We covered both quickly. It was the, the horse line with, like, who's, you know, how do I know this is your horse? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then it was the, so they jumped you right out of the blue. I had to get up anyway. Oh, that's right. We yeah, did, those are those, those two. I had, so I wrote one on a tertiary note page. Right. And then um, uh, I've got a couple more that I actually wrote as like a kind of a favorite scene. There's a, it's a line and a scene. It's when, uh, and if you haven't seen Silverado, pause this and go watch it because spoilers will happen from here out periodically. But <laughs> the movie is 33 years old yeah. at this moment. But I've only, I've only seen this. it twice. First, right. First time I saw it was maybe 10 years ago. I think you let me borrow it, actually. Maybe. Um, but it's when they... It's at the end of the movie, toward the end of the movie, when Where they... Where the bad guy gets killed? Shh. Um, <laughs> where Emmett gets into the house and finds Augie. Uh-huh. And he asks him where Jake is, and he says, Jake's dead. Jake's dead? What happened? He <laughs> fell off his horse. Jake, Jake fell off. Off his, his horse. horse, and he kind of smirks as he says it, like, "Okay, Jake's faking." Yeah, Jake like the, is not he, dead. The, the, He's little, out. That little smirk he does is like it just so subtle. Tells it, is it really all good. because the entire movie establishes that Jake is a horse acrobat, mm-hmm. gun spinny guy. But only only person that would not believe it is anybody who hasn't been around Jake enough yep. or young enough to not really know his uncle. Exactly, and Which, that plays perfectly. Yeah, but that was I had to I had to struggle to find like a favorite like. Not Kevin Klein joke scene, but I, I like that one. And then the other one, um, the other thing that might be one of my favorites is Danny Glover getting to do what all of us want to do at one time or another, which is kill Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to bring that one up since I brought it up the last time. That's why like I, we have two movies in the season where someone gets to kill Jeff Goldblum. That's why I brought it up. So, <laughs> we got to find movies for Jeff Goldblum, guys. Uh, if anyone chose to name me Augie, I'd probably disown them. Yeah. Uh, if it was short for Augustus, why not just go with Gus? You know, mm-hmm. or Gusto. maybe yeah, <laughs> or leave me alone, Gustav. Or just to go ahead. And get if you your... name me, if you name me Augie on point of birth, please just send me to to the orphanage because <laughs> you couldn't have thought you couldn't have had an abortion. Oh, is this the greasiest you've ever seen, Jeff Fahey? Oh, he's pretty gross. He is really greasy, gross in this one. I think I think what I really like about rewatching it this time around is. Having a more critical eye w- with how the the story plays out, the film does a really great job of n- initially not letting the audience know right away who's the good guy, because you know that they have pasts, but you know we know that Emmett and Payton have a past that involve prison, but you just don't immediately know their intentions when Payton runs into Cobb. So the conversations that they have, you don't know how crooked Cobb is mm-hmm. yet. He just seems kind of like shifty. Yeah, he kind of seems shifty. Brian but Dennehy he, was great in that role. Brian Dennehy was amazing because Brian Dennehy does he, he does he's one of those few actors that plays a really good good guy, but can also be a really good bad guy. Yeah, and he he really nailed that role. You know, the water is still murky, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. waiting for it to clear to know who's on which side. And I like how Mal is very distrusting of Payton once Payton is on the sure, payroll sure. because he's like, well, you work for him. Yeah. I'm not telling you where Emmett is. I don't know shit. you. I don't know you enough. 
Oh, what was the other thing? It's like when McKendrick's men raid the party and they all wear bandanas on their faces to hide, you know, their identities. Mm -hmm. I love how the guy with the eye patch thinks that's really going to help. (laughs) (laughs) And he does it twice. He does it when uh, he he takes Jake hostage, right? Yeah. Because Jake spits in his eye. Yeah, spits in his eye. (laughs) Not in his face. He spit too. Kevin Costner really spit. He straight up spit. That's real Hollywood spit. I would. (laughs) I don't care, actor or not. I'm punching Kevin Costner in the face if he spits in my eye. I'm sp- I'm punching anybody that punches and spits in my eye. Right. That's gross. Spit you know, is gross. Spit is gross. But it's just like, they all know who McKendrick's men are. Why? You know? Why not just face the facts that the law is obviously on their side? So who cares? Why do they have to hide their identity? That's for us. He saw us. Well, take him then. Like he's been seeing you riding around. Killing black old men. black men out in the field, you know. Everybody knows what you're doing. We all know what you're doing, Carl. But the other thing that made me go mm, when Jake is literally rolling in the hay with the blonde, mm-hmm. the blonde girl, and how he zips around three times mm-hmm. before jumping, and I'm like, how many splinters do you think were in his hands by the time he hit the third round? Yeah, but he was about to get laid. So do you think he really? Do you think he cared? Um, a little. Yeah, maybe I guess. I mean, I know you don't have to have your hands to have sex, but it's you're it's not kind of helpful. You're not an insane 19th century gunslinger and who's idiot. acting. He's 17 years old. <laughs> what bothered? Me, here's something that bothered me. Stella's secret place to hide Ray is behind the is in a shed behind, behind the, the saloon. Is behind the saloon. Come on, she's not think lo- a little harder. She's not long on height and she's not long on brains. She has stock of the good stuff. It's the first time in a Western that I remember specifically that rather than someone asking for whiskey, that Payton actually asked for bourbon. Yes. When he walks up and meets uh, Stella for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I Mal asked for whiskey because he hadn't had a drink of whiskey or slept in the bed for 10 days. I was so happy with this movie. I didn't remember that they played any sort of race card. And then they did. And I was like, okay, they're going to play it, but okay, okay, they're not going to say the N word. Cool, they're not going to say the N word. I know. And then and they say it one time. But they say it one time. But I love John Cleese's response. I don't particularly like that. I don't much care for that, for that word. word. And that's what it was. I don't particularly care for that much yeah. for that word. Which I thought was I thought was cool too. But which I mean that yeah. would that would have happened in the time. That was it. Would have happened in the time. They would have said it. And they didn't. They didn't say it after that. No, no one else. They said didn't. It. So that I, I do like that. The bartender, the not the bartender, but the lady who first serves him, that's also Kasdan's wife. I remember that, too. Yep. Oh, so, let's go into some trivia. Ooh, sweet. The planned sequel, as reflected in the film's final line... We'll be back! ...never materialized due to the failure of this film at the box office. Really? Now, granted, it did not fail. It played for 11 weeks. It made back its money. It made a profit, but it did not hit huge. Uh, Kasdan later remarked that while he was known for writing two very popular sequels, Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi, sometimes it's better to have just one good solid story to tell it right and leave it alone. Yep. Which is quite honorable in in many ways, but then again, you know, he also had to uh, get the studio to consider financing a second sequel, or a second sequel, but a sequel to the film in right, the first right. place. So, uh, care to know what the highest grossing Western film in the 1980s was? Up to this point, or in the no, 80s in general? No, all 80s in general. Surprisingly enough, it was released the same year. Rustler's Rhapsody. No. Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. Oh, yeah. 
then the movie you watched uh, without remembering which movie we agreed upon watching many several months ago going it was Pale Rider right and I was like no man it was Silverado he's like can we make it Pale Rider I just watched it <laughs> that movie is it's actually you know what the more I'm not going to pick on the movie it's been a while and I don't want to slam it without rewatching it first in hindsight it's, it's not as bad as I made it's it it's not his sad. best western no obviously he doesn't own any hotels uh but it's his Howard Johnson. It's not his best. <laughs> it's his Howard Johnson. It's not his best Western. Uh, this movie also had terrible timing for when it was released. It was released in theaters two weeks before Silverado, which was um, uh, Pale Rider. Mm. But it also was released the same weekend as Back to the Future. Oh, it didn't bomb, but it didn't break any records. Not compared to that, no. No. Uh, in the scene where Augie tries to jump on Jake's horse and falls to the ground, the horse is wearing Jake's hat. That was an improvised scene by Kevin Costner. Kasdan liked it because it was very much in the spirit of Jake and kept it in the scene. Mm-hmm. So when he's walking and reading and, and pulling his horse behind him, I forget that sometimes the hat is there. But yeah, yeah I, that was all I would Costner. Do that. I, put, I put yeah. hats on my dog sometimes. Um... The set for Silverado was built <clears> – the, the entire set was built for this movie has since been used in other films, Young Guns. The first Young Guns? Yes. Okay. Wyatt Earp, another Kevin Costner Didn't film. Kaz- he said Kasdan. Kasdan. Yeah. Yeah. Last Man Standing, which is not typically a Western, but it's set kind of in a Western-ish town. That's a Bruce Willis movie that's not great based <laughs> off of – I think a fistful of dollars, oh, okay. which was like Yo Jimbo. So it's like a remake times three, not sure. one third as good as any of the sure. others. Uh, Lonesome Dove was filmed there, early oh. some of it. Okay, uh, and then all the pretty horses. <laughs> I think that was a, a failed Billy Bob Thornton directed movie starring. Uh, oh yes, it was. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. What's his name? Robin Williams. Not Robin Williams. You ben know Affleck. I think. No. The other one. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, also Wild Wild West. Uh, with Kevin Klein. <laughs> yeah. In the latter film, as a reference to director Lawrence Kasdan, Kasdan Ironworks can be seen on the side of one of the buildings in Wild Wild West. That's funny. That's the only good part about that entire movie. Is the throwback. Salma, Salma Hayek's in it. Um, yeah. But that movie's horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of Rosanna Arquette's scenes were apparently uh, cut out completely. There was a more implied romance with Peyton. And what's odd, though, is she still receives high billing in the credits. Yeah, that's, that's what like we so, talked about. That's what's so weird to me. Uh, after working with Kevin Klein in this film, John Cleese wrote A Fish Called Wanda and the role of Otto specifically with Klein in mind. Thank God. Because yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> Didn't know that. I knew there was a connection. I knew there was a connection. I didn't realize that he wrote that role specifically with Klein to play this asshole. (laughs) I'm not talking to you. Can I kiss you? you Can can. anyway? We're not talking (laughs) about fish called Wanda. No. (laughs) Okay. You have a favorite scene? That was the Jake fell off his horse. Okay. Smirk scene or the Danny Glover getting to kill Jeff Goldblum. Are you looking for this? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, but uh, my favorite scene no. is this. The smelly saloon. My favorite place in the world. <laughs> oh, she's pretty all right. 
wearing my hat. What else you got that's mine? Mister, I don't know what you're talking about. I hope your fingers aren't tickling my ivory handled cold. Slow and let me see. You might live through this night. I love that joke. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the few – one of the few movies, we mentioned it before, it's where you see – you don't see Kevin Klein playing a, a bit of a badass in mm-hmm. much – in many oh. films that I can recall. This is one of them and especially in, the, in some of those scenes like this one here. It's just – He shoots a dude over a hat. He shoots a dude over, over a hat and his gun. But I love that there's still a bit of humor in the beginning because when you see him walk into the bar, he takes that old Festus. Yeah, that thing that's popped up like, you know, it has no bill. Is that what it's called? Well, that's the character. He rode the mule and Gunsmoke, I think. Right. Well, you know, the bill that's pushed up and he drops it on one of the guys just sitting there on another table just playing poker. And the guy doesn't remove it from his head. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, get this off me. (laughs) I look stupid in this (laughs) I look like a sidekick. I look like you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's probably my favorite scene uh, more than anything else. There's a lot of scenes that I just love to rewatch. Another one is after he's managing the uh, Evening Star and he starts to get into a bit of <clears> – <throat> Jake gets into a bit of a um, tussle. Yeah, fracas with um, Jeff Fahey's character because I can't remember his name. Um, not Johnny Ringo. Yeah, not. <laughs> and he goes, what's the matter? And Peyton tries to break it up. He's like, what's the matter, Peyton? You don't think I can get the two guys behind me? And that's so awesome. Yeah, He's just cool. like, I'm like, I know my surroundings, and there's two guys that are would die. You don't think I would get those two guys? I, okay. <laughs> if you could make one That's what change, I was going to ask you. My change would be shoot another take of the four riding into Silverado for the final shootout until Kevin Costner just shut his mouth and not yell, let's get him! <laughs> that, more than anything else, still, like, it. that bothers me just a little bit. I, um, I don't know why. I mean, it's just kind of, it's almost too corny. It's, it's, it's corny. It's part of it's his corny. character. Sure. But it's almost too much. The one thing. That's the one. And thing. I actually took this one. I actually. Did you write this one down? I did. Uh. But I took this one kind of seriously. Not that I don't take any of the others seriously, but I, I went for like a serious aesthetic with this one. Again, it's a spoiler, so if you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. Um, but it would be in the final showdown between right. Cobb and Peyton. Mm-hmm. Is, like that, that, they, shoot, they shoot at each other really quick. Right. It would be same ending. Cobb dies, goes down just like he does. But as you see, Peyton start to holster his gun. You'd see a little blood run down the. That top would of be kind of cool. That like, would like he's still he, winging. He me. gets away, but he doesn't get away clean. Right. I think that would have been a nice little. And they hold on his hand for a minute in that shot as he's starting to holster it. 
and I I fully expected to see just a little drop of blood, and and I didn't. But um, I thought that would have been. Mm-hmm. I could see that. That would still work for his character. Like absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. That would be artistically, aesthetically, or whatever the one change I would make to it. <laughs> um, now, did you attempt to recast any of the characters? So, that was hard for me. I did. Um, I did recast the characters. I cre- I recast more in this one than I did in the next one in Tombstone that we're covering here at, at the end of this half. This one was a little bit easier for me, I, but it almost wrecked my brain trying to do it. I only recast one. Okay, because it's just the lead. I chose to recast all four and Cobb. Okay, well, so you go first. <laughs> all right, I put in Peyton's role. I put in. Walton Goggins. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, have you ever watched The Shield? Have you ever watched a couple of the last westerns of Quentin Tarantino? Yes. Or Justified? I've seen I've seen uh, Django Unchained and uh, Hateful Eight. Okay. In Hateful Eight, he's the one of the two that survives at the end with um, Samuel Jackson. That's Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah, okay. He'd be Peyton. He would be Peyton. Because huh. he can be charming. If you've seen him in enough things, he can be charming. I know him from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, the, I didn't. The, trans, the trans, transsexual. There's a cross-dresser, transsexual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. I didn't even think about mentioning that. Okay. That so you would work. make him Peyton. Okay. I would make okay. him Peyton. Okay. I would make Kyle Chandler Emmett. I'm not sure who Kyle Chandler is. Have you watched Friday Night Lights TV show, Kyle Chandler's the head coach? No. Okay. He's the dad from Super 8. I haven't seen that yet. So you'd make him Emmett. I'd make him Emmett. Okay. Because he's very stoic. He can be very stoic. He's been in a ton of stuff. You've probably seen him in half I'm a dozen sure movies. I you just don't realize it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one's a little weird. It was hard to figure out who I would have Jake play Jake. Yeah. Um, I did Sam Rockwell. I could, because Billy the Kid from Green Mile? Yeah. Yeah. He can be – he can play wild. Yeah. I, I get that. Okay. Sam Rockwell – 10, 20 years ago. Mal was especially difficult for me, though. And so I chose not to go with stature. I could have initially gone with, like, Idris Elba to play, like, Mal. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, I'm probably going to choose to go with Idris Elba off the cuff rather than who I initially chose. Who did you initially choose? I chose Jeffrey Wright, which is the guy who he plays um, Felix Leiter in... Casino Royale. Oh, okay. But Idris Elba has a better presence. Absolutely. And so I'm going with Idris Elba. (laughs) Okay. And then for Cobb, I chose Michael Chiklis. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Because if if anybody, if you've seen The Shield at all, and even if you haven't, but he can play a really wicked bad guy that you're not 100% sure if he's a bad guy right away. You put a lot more thought into that one. No, it just oh. into all that. I, I wish I'd recast the four. Okay, the, I didn't put any thought. Into um, it. I just assuming that Kevin Klein is the lead, and I'm assuming he is. He is. I possibly Emmett, but Kevin Klein is really the lead. He, yeah, yeah. I, it just opens with Emmett. I would replace him with Brent Spiner. Really? Oh. They they play that low key. They have the, they have a similar face. Okay, I, I, I can know, see that. I don't know why I went for a similar face, but there's an episode of Star Trek. Uh, there's a Next Generation episode. It's called A Fistful of Datas. <laughs> okay, it, it's a great episode. All right. Worf and his kid go to the holodeck to do an ancient West 
They call it the ancient West Because by that time, it's really ancient, yeah. I guess. And there's a glitch with the computer, and there's a glitch with data at the same time that they've got data plugged in. And instead of the program playing out correctly, it gets corrupted, and all the safety locks go away. Okay. So data is like, he's the pecker wood, like no good, dumb son of a bitch son that's in jail, right, Paul? And he's also the, you got my boy locked up in that jail, Paul character. And he's... <laughs> Peckerwood, and he's the Mexican bandito, but he's still got the pale face. Right. But he plays... Brent Spiner is a great character actor. And he would have been good. He'd, okay. He would have been good in any of the roles, actually, but he would have been good as Payton, I think. Um. Okay. Uh, can you provide a better or at least uh, comparable recommendation of the same genre? No. <laughs> but any movie where the good guys only get winged they never miss. They hit the bad guys or hit any other thing that they're actually shooting at with their first shot, and they always win unscathed is what you would recommend. What I would recommend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because it is very fantastical in that manner. Yes. I never was, thought of it. But it's it true. Was, it's it was meant, meant to be. It was meant to be, yeah. Right. They knew what they were making. Um, Mike, if you're looking for great characters set in a Western but not as much action or gunfights, I said I'd probably recommend the miniseries Lonesome Dove. Mm, okay. Um, for a film that's more testosterone-filled, I'd probably recommend Tombstone. <laughs> sure. Because that's what we're talking about next, because these two are probably number one and number two, or number one and number three. Silverado's still number one, but Tombstone bounces back and forth. That's what I was going to talk about earlier, is that the plots are very... It's kind of sim very so Tombstone, similar. So yeah. Tombstone is historical... Mostly historical fiction, right? Historical fiction, it, it, to a degree. I'm sure it's very historical fiction, um, and then sometimes just fiction, his, fiction. fiction or sometimes history. But so. Silverado kind of follows the same thing. These people come to this town, right? It's sort of this fabled, sort of promised land kind of thing. They yeah. come there and they find that it's overtaken by this gang, right? And uh, this corrupt kind of boss, and these people have to come up, kind of rise up, and kick a little ass. <laughs> Take uh, kind of take the town back and put things right. And there's a gambler, you know, right? Uh, like Jeff Goldblum is very much kind of like Doc Holliday's character, mm -hmm. but Jake is also kind of like Doc Holliday's right. character. Um, I'm not saying he's the unpredictable one. Yeah, the wild card. Right. I'm not saying that Tomb uh, Silverado ripped off Tombstone because no, that, they're just well, Silverado happened yeah. eight years before Tombstone did, but the story of Tombstone was there. Right. So I, I think they kind of just the Lord knows six movies of Tombstone were probably made before 1965 I'm sure it made a great what he called a post what Lawrence Kasdan called a postmodern western it is a postmodern western it's not it's not realistic no it is very pulpy does it still hold up from the first time you saw it <laughs> I like it better yeah. than I did the first time I saw okay, it okay well that's good yeah I appreciate I've, I'm not a filmmaker or anything I've done a couple of little fun things right just when you know what goes into making a shitty film <laughs> you know or, yeah or a half-assed little thing, you know what effort it takes to do a big, real thing. And you can just, just, a lot of people ignore, they don't, it's something they ignore, that they don't notice a shot or framing. They don't, at least they don't notice it consciously. And go, having, you know, I let 10 or 12 years go by between watchings of this, they paid a lot of attention to what was in the background. Like one, one thing they mentioned in that um, featurette was during the, showdown between Cobb and, and Payton was that behind Payton was the town and the church society and, and, the, and the church yeah. and everything. And behind Cobb was nothing. nothing. Yeah. But it's like those little, those little, like that's sort of Leon-esque. Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. 
Um, we'll get that. We'll get more into that a little bit on the in, in with Tombstone too. Okay. Number one, it's hard for me to find a time in my life before Silverado. I mean, I know there's mm. probably at least ten years <laughs> prior to its release that I was in existence, but the film has been so much a part of my adolescence, you know, all the way through adulthood. I mean, this film goes. This only gets better with age for me. Sometimes I just want a good gunfight. Sometimes I want, you know, kind of intriguing and engrossing and kind of mysterious characters, you know. And sometimes I want both. And Silverado, for me, delivers both in that way. There's a carefree joy and a freedom that rings true in this film. You can tell that Kasdan grew up on westerns as a child when he wrote one from the heart with his brother. The film never takes itself too seriously, yet plays serious when it needs to. And while the film is full of Western cliches, it's fun, it's energetic, and it feels genuine. Yep, I agree. So, I mean, my final thoughts are Silverado to me embodies the perfect Western film. It's a great story, it's an ensemble cast, gorgeous scenery, a roaringly good film score, efficient editing, multi-layered moral protagonists that are all executed with brilliant direction. And to steal the quote from my wife that I stole 10 years ago, rewatching this film is like having old friends over to visit. That's nice. It's, it's like I said earlier, the, the way all the separate stories meet, become intertwined and then pay off is flawless, done flawlessly. When you let a good story play out, you get a great movie. This movie would not get made today. No, it, I don't even think it would be like a mini series or anything like that. Um, it's too long. For modern audiences, people don't want a good, fun story. They want quips. They want stickers. They want taglines. They want T-shirts. Which right. I, I'm not. I'm sitting here wearing a T-shirt. It's it's a thing. But well, this movie hey, is, we're not sitting in here naked. So. It's very true. <laughs> but while this movie does have its quips and its little one-liners and all that, it, it's not not done in the vein of Tombstone, right? Which we'll get to shortly. In some ways, a lot of well, in a lot of ways, this movie is better than Tombstone. It's damn near the same story as like we talked about earlier. But Silverado is able to combine equal parts humor, drama, and action wrapped in a little Western label. And it's a bottle of the good stuff. It is the bottle of the good stuff. I'm saving lives. <laughs> she says when she's filling up oh, yeah. like two-thirds of bourbon or whiskey or whatever and then filling the rest up with water. I'm saving lives. <laughs> Silverado saves lives. <laughs> so, that's Silverado. Yeah. Let's check this out. It was a place where a man could start over, where a fortune could be made. They say every town has a story. Tombstone has a legend. Who is he? That's Wider. Better name for himself as a peace officer. I heard of you. I'm retired. You must be Doc Holliday. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Hollywood Pictures presents... The only real law around here is the Cowboys. The story of Wyatt Earp. The first time in our lives we got a chance to stop wandering and finally be a family. Now this is trouble we don't need. If we're going to have a future in this town, it's got to have some law and order. What do you want, Ringo? I want your blood. I want your soul. I want them both right now. They shot your brother. Now the time has come for justice. Yes, maybe you better swear me in. And he has to live up to his reputation. You got a fight coming. I'll be there! One last time. None of your problem, Doc. 
You don't have to mix up in this. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. In a battle. The last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. At the OK Corral. Oh, my God. The West would never forget. Kurt Russell. Val Kilmer. Dana Delaney. Powers Booth. Michael Bean. Bill Paxton. Jason Priestley. Sam Elliott. And Charlton Heston. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me! Justice is coming to Tombstone. So what I'm going to do on this one is periodically I'm going to pepper in one of my favorite lines because there's about 30. Yeah, it's – I tried to uh, – You can't, I can't I can't narrow it down to one. I could – well, I narrowed it down. Did I narrow it down at all? I didn't. Well, we – you've already addressed that. Here's – Okay, oh, no. Johnny. I apologize. I forgot you were there. <laughs> you may go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have two lines specifically. One by White Earp, one by Doc Holliday, but uh, there are a lot. I was really just being specific, but I will have two scenes to share. Hey, welcome in, everyone. Yeah. It's a six-pack double feature. Second half of he's, our... Uh, he's Travis. He's Nathan. One of these days. I'm amazed we don't screw that up more often. Uh, it's fun. It's fun when <laughs> we do, and it's fun when we don't. <laughs> I always forget Robert Mitchum's narration. Narration at the beginning. Oh, bookends. The bookends, yeah. bookends this movie. Oh. Tom Minks. Whipped. That's that's in uh, one of my side notes here. Is it's uh, so earlier we talked about Silverado. Now we're talking about Tombstone, which Lawrence Kazan was involved in. in was White, he? It was in Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp, yes, in some way, which is Kevin Costner. This movie, Wyatt Earp, is the three-hour uh, more accurate, long, in more historically accurate, long version, which more, we don't discredit. We actually both have agreed that we enjoy Wyatt Earp. As oh well. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this, this is, is the way more totally rock different. and roll, way yeah. better than classical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just to throw a little light at the at the it's the Quaid. It's not the crazy Quaid. It's Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Um his turn as Doc Holliday has one of my favorite lines when he says, Well, I kiss my rebel dick. <laughs> I love He that doesn't boy. do a bad version. I just like no, he did, Kilmer's it's, it's version. It's more better. subdued, yeah, yes. Yeah. They're um, both play that that character well. In my opinion, Tombstone is the better two. Yes. Um, and that's what we're talking about is Tombstone. Yeah, because we've paired it with Wider. We would have shot ourselves. This is the western of my teenage years because this For sure. this came out I think at the end of '93. Yep. I did not see it in the theater, but I specifically remember renting it from the video store. I don't Same. think it was Blockbuster. It was just some local chain. But I remember watching it and then immediately rewinding it and watching it again. <laughs> A lot yeah. happens in this movie. A lot happens. I probably watched it three or four times before I sent it back like oh, the next wow. day. Oh, I, at wow. least at least three times. Man. I Yeah, because it was just... It came out in 93, so I'd have been in seventh grade. It's most definitely like this is a... This is a guy, more or less a guy movie. It's a, it's very machismo. It's, yeah, it's very machismo. It's very testosterone filled. Yeah. It is. It, it doesn't surprise me that it's, that it's more popular with with men than it is with women on some ways jamie loves it oh but she but also she loves roadhouse. roadhouse so she's in the category all of her own she's 
Wow, what a nice way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does gloss over quite a bit of historical information as to what happened, how they got to be where they are, which mm-hmm. Costner's version fetishizes in great detail <laughs> as to how they got I mean, to it, I mean, I remember Wyatt Earp like opens with like just before like the shootout at Tombstone mm-hmm. and then it flashes back like 20 years to, to his Civil War days. Like and childhood and him being sickly, a kid and yeah. him being a kid wanting to go into the Civil War and I think it's I remember this trailer playing like that like that whole scene with his dad and, and the kids like super serious like there's nothing more important than blood but when you actually watch the movie, it's all the kids like laugh at him after he says it <laughs> in the actual cut of the film. Yeah. But the trailer tries to play it as super serious. So if you don't know, the real quick version of it is Wyatt Earp and his brothers retire from law enforcement and move out west. To... At the age of like 33, which is retirement age in the old west and days. God, be great. I'd be like, I'd be an old man. Yeah. Um, You'd be just they, ready to fall over. And- they move out to Arizona to seek fortune where silver mines are happening. And, and Yeah, you know, and there's you- a big silver boom, and that's why Tombstone blew up in population because of it. Yep. The cowboys run Somehow the area. Back. Yeah, they get sucked into uh, sucked into the local politics and the bullshit of it. and Mayhem ensues. I feel like if you don't know a lot about the actual gunfight at the OK Corral, right. and you've been out there. So I sure. did not get the chance to go to Tombstone directly. <sighs> I wanted to, but it didn't happen. There's a if you got the good. I, I went to the studio or the like the old <laughs> like old town Tucson, old Tucson, where they actually filmed many parts of to, uh, Tombstone. So oh, cool. There at least is that connection, but no, I didn't have a chance to go to actually there's Tombstone. A, there's a great featurette on the DVD, which I think I've got like a close to 15 years old now dvd version you, you and i probably own the same version well, it looks like pulled, double disc like a, yeah, yeah wanted poster there's that great featurette about the gunfight and okay. they, they took pretty good uh pretty good notes what i want to trying to say they took the long way around to make that when they filmed the gunfight yeah that gunfight is not to be fairly realistic yeah it, it's kind of <clears throat> i didn't i, to, to I be noticed, tr- sorry true to fact true, true to, to what, fact true to what because happened. True to the accounts. Going, you know, fast forwarding, you know, 10 years when you see Costner's open range and how realistic that gunfight was and how many times people weren't getting hit. Yep. And I didn't think about how much that was still very realistic in in the gunfight here in the OK Corral in Tombstone. One of the things – There was that, a lot of shots fired that no one got hit. Yeah. Or at least that we know about. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that happened in the movie that didn't happen was when uh, right before it touches off, when uh, Doc winks at I think it's uh, it's Thomas Hayden Church's character. Yeah, one like was it Clayton Brothers or it was one of the Clans? Yeah, Clans. I mean, he he yeah. winks at him. It was a, Val Kilmer like added Just, that because Val Kilmer is this is Val Kilmer at his this is his apex. Peak. He, yeah, yeah he, he this was where he, this is where he peaked and then he started immediately with his next movie eating downwards. There's like me. one other movie that he's decent in, and that is say, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh yeah, I've not seen that. I've heard, and that's it. Yeah, and that's I mean that that's like oh, his Heat. That's like his. He was good his, in Heat. His, yeah, he was good in Heat. Oh, let's take that back. There's a couple more roles, but these. <laughs> Sorry, Val. Yeah, we know you're a. Patreon yeah, he's got two more years. It's Heat. Oh, what's funny is is this is only two years apart between Heat. This is like Heat end of '93. Heat and Batman. Batman. I don't even really count Batman because that's not a good role for him, and I don't think it was a good movie for him. Do you him. know why he got picked to be Batman? Because he was Val. Because he was 
Val Kilmer? Because uh, <laughs> Schumacher saw him in this. And said, I and, need Doc Holliday? And do yes, not yes, this because in, this, in my the, movie? Yes, he saw because he was Doc okay. Holliday. Because in the 60s or late 50s, Adam West played Doc Holliday and then became Batman. And Schumacher thought, that might be fun. And that's why Batman has a mole on his jaw. Yeah, the more you know. <laughs> um, uh, pacing? Yeah. How do you think about the pacing? Well, the pacing in rewatch, I didn't realize like how much everyone is pretty much like dead against Wyatt. I don't realize how much Wyatt is the victim in this film. Everybody is kind of against him outside outside of Doc Holliday. I mean, whether it's his woman Maddie, it's whether it's his like his um, sister in laws or. Even if they're not married, whether it's his brother's women, sure, sure. whether it's the county sheriff, or even if it's you know his bro- the brothers themselves, it's just like sometimes it feels like everyone was against him, and he's just trying to live his life, and he doesn't want to get involved. Yeah, I think if I had the opportunity to go back, I'd probably cut down that that victim mentality a little bit. Hmm. Just feels a little overplayed to me. That's interesting. I didn't notice that until you said that. It's nothing that makes me go, ah, this movie is horrible. He does seem a little whiny now that you say that. He plays it a little, not whiny, but you know. No, to an extent, it's kind of whiny, but it's like, I keep telling you. Quit fucking with this. Yeah. Don't get into law enforcement. Oh, now it's Okay, Virgil, I guess you're the sheriff now or the marshal now. (laughs) I told you not to to do this. Good job, Miho. (laughs) Miho's revenge. (laughs) I know. Let's have a spelling contest. <laughs> um, one of the one of the things that I put down here, I love how the film still chooses to introduce each character, just kind of like in Silverado. It opens with yep. the you really get a feeling of how shitty the cowboys were when they show up at that wedding. Yeah, it's Mexican police, huh? <laughs> you know? That's where one of my favorite lines. Tell this is. spick to get on his knees. Uh, oh, it's just there's. There's just a lot of richness either in what they say or even in, in as much as what they don't say, but just what they do. I mean, you even see um, – what's the one that turns um, – Michael Rooker. Yeah, Michael Rooker's character. Uh, I McMasters. mean, you even see him. McMasters. Yeah, McMasters. You even see McMasters like even right there. Like this? Like, I'm not sure this about is, this. You know what? You don't – you didn't not, need I'm, to go back and take the bride into the church and then attempt to rape her and then kill her. I'm not, that's, I'm not entirely sure that I'm on board with you shooting a priest in the head. <sighs> Yeah, I'm not sure that that's cool. That scene, it's, and I'm with you. That's that's exactly that shows what a collection of bastards they are. Yeah, but one of my favorite lines in that in that uh, in the movie comes from that scene, and that's um, that's not what he said. You ignorant wretch. Your <laughs> yeah. Spanish is worse than your English. English. <laughs> he was quoting the Bible, you know. <laughs> that's what I wanted Jeff Fahey to be in Silverado, and he wasn't. He wasn't even close to Michael Bean's character. What happened to the Which dog, Payton? <laughs> I love that bit until Friday, yes. too. Um, uh, I love how the bartender in the Oriental is the first person that actually doesn't take Wyatt Earp at his word when he was like, Wyatt Earp, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else, either they already knew who he was or right when he says it, oh. Let me get out and of And the way. bartender is just sitting here cleaning the, you know, a glass. Yeah. Sure you are. Sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> until after the final part of that scene will be. Maybe you are. <laughs> you think about 25%. 25% of the take. Hey, they're better. milt. <laughs> um, 
owner operator. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like I'm sitting here playing with my sister's kids or something. <laughs> you nerve wracking sons of bitches. You nerve wracking sons of bitches. How many times did I tell you to get that cigar out of my, my face? face? God damn. That was so good. That whole scene. I just when he walks up, it is sort of akin to when Peyton walks into the bar and tells dude that he's wearing his hat. He's right. like, I just wanted to let you know that you're sitting in my chair. Here. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Or is that a fact? That's is a that fact. a fact? That's a fact. <laughs> Mister, I'm getting real tired of your lip. We'll stand up and do something about it. This, it what a prick, you know? Yeah. Just walk into it's two pricks meeting right there. Right. And one has balls, and one thought he did yeah. until he met Wyatt Earp. <laughs> he just <laughs> keeps knocking the shit out of him. Yes. The, actually, let me back up. The opening scene where you actually first meet Wyatt, and that dude's oh, trying he's to, whipping his horse. Yeah, he's beating that horse, and he just knocks doesn't feel him. good, does it? <laughs> Hurts, don't hurts, it. hurts, don't it? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah, that that right there shows his character. You mistreat somebody yep. or something of oh, mine. Fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, are we supposed to think that by the end of '93 that Jason Priestley was supposed to still be relevant? He's the only thing I hate about this movie. Why is he there? Oh, uh, he's a tool. He is a tool. He's a little. He's a tool that little that, toady. He's a little toady. He he follows the uh, the county sheriff rather than the town marshal. He obviously is in to an extent with the cowboys until they kill Billy uh, Zane. Billy Zane. Yeah. Which you could have easily cast Jeff Goldblum as Billy Zane. And then someone would have gotten the chance to kill Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> we would add three for three. I feel no, like I, I think Billy Zane fills that role just oh, perfectly. Billy Zane is perfect in yeah. that role. Billy but Zane doesn't the, do anything that Billy Zane doesn't want to do, I don't yeah. think. He's elegantly creepy. Mm-hmm. In any, other than the Phantom. Yeah, uh, I never noticed that Ike kept spitting into the spittoon during like the performance at the Birdcage Theater or anywhere else that he was. He didn't smoke. He had, you know, chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. Everywhere he was at, he was always spitting into a uh, spittoon. And I didn't... Don't know that I noticed Like, that. he was sitting at the theater, like everybody else, and they're all talking shit. But he was sitting there, right, right in the center of his feet. Or when he's playing uh, cards later on the 36, you know, 36 hours, like, you know, Doc Holliday's been up, you know, for 36 hours, and he was sitting there playing cards, and he spits. Why, well, I... And his, whatever do you, you mean? mean? He's just drunk. He's just drunk. He doesn't mean it. Yeah, well, I hope you die. <laughs> <laughs> the pacing in this movie, um, to get back to it being uh, a factual story that happened mm-hmm. in America, I feel like you kind of have to forgive him a little bit because there's some things that have to be told to yeah. explain. And I think they do a great job. Like, there's some, like, it doesn't fit the standard Western. No, the gunfight happens like an over an hour way after, into I it. thought it was like thirty minutes in. Yeah, it's, no, it's like it's an way, hour. It's, it's like an hour. I looked at the time; it, it was like at least an hour and five minutes in. Um, and they, they do a good job of ramping up that tension through the whole movie mm-hmm. to get to it. But there's like, there's like, you think it's gonna go okay, like where Silverado gets the hell away from Rosanna Arquette's character. Tombstone explores a little bit, right? Wyatt Earp and um, Maddie, not Maddie. Oh, that the dusky, China doll, that, that dusky-hued lady Satan. What is her name? The actress. Whatever. They explore that. That, that they take they take some time and explore some side stories. Right. Which is great, but it, it kind of bucks the, the norm of 
how a western like this is told. I can't think of her name. Now. I can't. Dana Delaney's character. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of a character's name either. And I, I thought I dropped it down in it's here, and I did not. Pissing me off. That's how horrible it is. And you have to allow them that because they're telling they're telling multiple storylines because because you see the yeah. end of one relationship with Wyatt, mm-hmm. whose woman loves. She's beginning a relationship with, with opioids. opioids. <laughs> <laughs> She's beginning, and his relationship is ending with her. Correct. <laughs> um, I never thought about it that way, that she's beginning her relationship. Oh, she was already in the middle. Wyatt just didn't know about it yet. <laughs> exactly. He's the odd man out. Right. But you you have to allow them that. Yeah. And and then you let and you don't have to write stupid action sequences for this. Mm-hmm. There's a goddamn tourist industry built around this story. Tell what happened. And that's what they do here. And it plays out the action sequences. Well, I'm sure some of them are like a little. Her name is Josephine, by the way. Josephine. I would never have told. You I that. would have never told you that either. Um, the action when it does happen, it plays out beautifully. The gunfight is great. Well, the build-up, them walking down the street. There's a burning building behind them. I love how they replay that in the credit sequence at the end. I'm like, we're going to show everything now. This one's going to be a little cut quicker for the actual film, but when we do the credit sequence, you guys are going to look badass. That shit is cold, man. I know. (laughs) It gives you chills every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that they took the time to take the why Virgil has Doc's cane. Yeah. Because he had the shotgun. They traded. Mm-hmm. His docks are longer, right? So they trade. Right. Get- there, there's potentially the less possibility of them freaking out if Doc is on a shotgun rather than Virgil. Yeah. Or yeah, Street Howitzer. He called yeah. him Street Howitzer. Street Howitzer. That's they're right. less likely to get antsy if he's on the Street, street Howitzer. Um, also, everybody was in this movie too. Yeah, eight, eight years later. None, no, I don't know. Had you any- seen Billy Bob Thornton in anything before this? I don't think I had. I don't either. I, and it's I, like right after he s- finished this role, he got cancer because he like thins out. Have you seen what he looks like now? He's like super thin. The last no, thing I saw just, him in was I mean, Fargo, the TV, the first the TV, season of Fargo. Yeah. But I mean, he's just he's thinned quite a bit after that. It almost doesn't look like the same guy. You kind of hear it in the voice, but it's really by the time he really hit prominence, he's he's almost a completely different person. Yeah, that's acting in in movies, you know. The the next thing he did after this was Sling Blade, right? Yeah, that's where he he actually won an Oscar for that script. Did he he write? adapted his own play? Okay, okay, yeah. Some of the bit parts that are in this movie, John Corbett. <laughs> I always forget John Corbett's Professor in this movie. Gilman. I've seen him in Bisbee. He catches stuff. <laughs> hey, Professor, catch this. <laughs> something about somebody. Uh, is there something that doesn't work? For you. <laughs> uh, okay. What doesn't work? Uh, every once in a while, when Kurt Russell goes from like three to eleven, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The times it doesn't are times where I want to reach for the knob and turn it down to nine and see how the scene would have played out. I mean, after I think, 20, I, know what, I think I know what one you're talking about. Well, there's a couple, but specifically, but after you know, after 25 years, those snippets sometimes feel like metal grinding on metal. It's like, you tell him I'm coming That's the one I was and hell's of. coming with me. That's not the one, though. The one that really bothers me is when he jumps into the river when he wants to go after Curly Bill. I'm sorry. I was thinking of another one. Yeah. Yes, That's the, no, no, no. You know, he pulls out the shotgun and. The one I was thinking of is when he says, like, you tell him I'll be there. Yeah. That He's one. got about three or four yeah. that it's just like, 
you're spiking. You're in the red. Let's go down. I'm a race car. I'm in the red. I'm yeah. Like, you want to have a race car in the red. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what doesn't work for me. But it also falls on the same lines of if you can make one change. That's like in the final act where Wyatt Bills no. I'm like right before he kills Curly Bill. It just it feels weirdly overacted. And I'm not going to eat. Certain White's there. And I would cut it out. That's that's how I feel about that's how I feel about that. That's how I feel about that. What was that that you just did? If you could make one change? Yeah, it was take that no out. If I could make um, if I had a magic wand that gave me or a magic lamp that gave me three changes, I'd probably tone down two scenes and remove the no. Those would you know, <laughs> sure. those that's what I would do. So if I could make one change. Right. And you couldn't do you couldn't use the same cast. Okay. For what reasons I, I feel will become obvious. If they're not in my head, I'll explain them. Okay. I would love to see a movie about Doc Holliday at this same time. Or maybe maybe five to ten years of his life leading up to the gunfight right. and the events of Tombstone. Kind of the same way you got the, the solo movie. Mm-hmm. And call it Holiday or whatever you want to call it, but tell his story. And the one where the Earps are the side players. Beyond that, I can't. I can't think of holiday, a tombstone story. <laughs> the only thing I would, the only thing I would do different would be have this same movie, but have John Carpenter direct. It. Right. <laughs> but you couldn't do, you couldn't do a Doc Holiday side story from this era of his life with these same actors because Doc Holiday is played a little larger than life in this. Right. And he couldn't carry Val Kilmer couldn't carry a movie as that character. Not now, especially. Well, but you could use Dennis Quaid's Doc Holiday. Yeah. He could carry a movie. Mm-hmm. About Doc Holliday, I could see that. Which I think would be cool. That would be cool. You know, Frederick fucking Chopin. I'm Is that Camp bleep. Town races. Uh, yeah, Stephen Stinking Foster. <laughs> this is whatever it is. You know, Frederick fucking Chopin. Like, is it really necessary to show Wyatt Earp with his giant hand cannon in <laughs> later when he's hunting down? The uh, Cowboys, and there's that one dude who's so high he goes to smoke again on the pipe and he grabs the barrel of mm-hmm. – yeah, it's just like – It's a little – It's a, it's, a, it's a little phallic. It's a little yeah. – It's just a little like – that's – Kind of comic, comedic? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be funny. Really? <laughs> or <laughs> overkill. Literally. Literally. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Like, I know when his gun is just – when know, he opens that – casket like he opens that case and i'm like is that the, have you ever seen a gun as big as wider <laughs> handgun that he opens and like holy shit that was accurate yeah i'm sure that, it was, that was the gun but he it's used. like good god it's, it's why nobody with him man <laughs> like he's <laughs> la don't go around here yeah, i heard you i heard you the first time thirty dollars to the winner that's 500 500 to the winner shut up ike <laughs> shut up ike. <laughs> uh, uh Go ahead. Oh, the one thing that I really never paid attention to until this last viewing, I never really was paying attention to the fact of how much the county and the politics in general, the judges were all dirty. Yeah. And they that, don't they don't go a long way around to explain it. They try to do no, it in three, right. maybe four scenes or exchanges. Like right after uh, Marshall White is killed and like it's like three weeks later when the judge finally shows up because it's been that long and when they're talking in the bar and it's just kind of like an offhand comment. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a witness. No, I was, I got there after he had shot him. It's like, well, there's no witness. There's no murder. K 
case dismissed. Yep. And I just love how that's Private just, justice. Yeah. <laughs> private justice. But I just – I never really was playing into the fact that this is just a – Well, they were sitting – They're on a, Western Mafia. Yeah, they they were ran a, that town. For lack of – they were sitting on a silver mine. Right. Literally. And they weren't going to screw that up. And that's – yeah, it's part of – they were innocent victims of circumstance. Yeah. Um, some fun bits of trivia or just some bits of trivia, however you want to describe no, it. They better be fun or we're going to have words. In, uh, in real life, Wyatt Earp had, was never shot. Never suffered a bullet. No, I did know that, yeah. Never suffered You're a right, I did know that. And so it makes sense that he's never winged or anything else. Nope. Um, I'll be damned were Doc Holliday's actual last words. <laughs> was he supposed to be seeing the light? Is that what it was? I, I, the first time, time or two, I wasn't paying attention to that. And I was thinking, like, did he say this because he had no shoes on or socks on? And he just saw his bare feet. And I'm like, well, I'll be damned. I died without my shoes on. I died without and, his boots on. Or boots on. And then the more I saw it, the more I went, I think it's the that whole sub uh, that whole storyline with his brother. Um, not Virgil, but. I don't see nothing. Well, yeah. It's Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. They say when they see a light, I don't see nothing. I don't see shit. Uh, that's what I was thinking it was because they I were don't all know, there man. having it's, that conversation. It's a great question, and I think there's three possible answers. It's the holy shit, I actually made it to the end, and I'm dying comfortably without my boots on. Or, holy shit, there is a light. Or, I'll be damned, there is nothing. Yeah. It's one uh, Yeah, it's left open for interpretation. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And, and the, depending on how much you've had to drink or whatever, and what kind of mood you're in when you watch the movie, I think is how you interpret it. Right. I tend to interpret it because he looks at his toes and he kind of bumps his feet back right. and forth, like kind of wiggles them. Mm-hmm. I kind of think he's just amused at his situation. Like I'm dying in bed. I'm, I'm dying not, in bed in a sanitarium shot. in Colorado. And I've done, I've been trying all my life to get, live recklessly and get shot. Right. And this is how I'm, this is how I'm going. You know, the actual saying he said, and I've written this in a weird way. Well, um, this ought to be interesting. <laughs> at the end of the shootout at the OK Corral, that one guy said something to, like, yeah, I'd get you a holiday. And he said, you're daisy if you do. He said, you're a daisy if you, you do. do. Yeah. It's a slight. You're a daisy if you do. Um, I'm not sure who the character is like in the movie, but his, his character's name is Billy Claiborne. Mm-hmm. He's actually played by Wyatt Earp's real-life fifth cousin. Hmm. Oh, I got that. It was kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Richard Gere as Wyatt Earp and Willem Dafoe as Doc Holliday were the I original choices. I never have wanted to watch this movie less than Richard Gere as Wyatt Earp. Same. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Sorry, y'all. Willem Dafoe as Doc Holliday. Yeah, I could see that. That could be fun. Um, like, what in the hell were they thinking? I don't know. Well, he was in Pretty Woman. Let's That's- cast. You know what? Let's cast him as uh, Lancelot. An early portrayal of Doc Holliday was done by Adam West. And after seeing Val Kilmer play Doc Holliday, uh, actually it was Joel Schumacher, uh, got the idea to make him be Batman. Val Kilmer is a terrible Batman. Mm-hmm. He's a good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he's a, he does all right as a Bruce Wayne, but he's not a great Batman. John Carpenter claims he almost directed this movie. Good God, I would have loved to have seen that. John Carpenter's Tombstone. Has he done a Western? It would like, go like legit Western? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think he should. Yeah. It would go somewhere like dies. this. Before he dies. <laughs> John Carpenter's Tombstone. I have two guns. One for each of you. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying me peppering. And just, my favorite lines are clearly are just Doc Holliday lines. Yeah, pretty much. They're almost all. He's got the best line. He's got, he had the best role. He did. He did. Other than, other than maybe Johnny Ringo. I was reading 
But all of his, everything he says is like printable on like it's a tattoo. Yeah. You know, if you were if you were like that kind of dude, you yeah. could get, you know. I got two arms, one for the each of you. <laughs> I got two arms, one for each of you. Because <laughs> that's those were my two favorite lines. Is one from White Earp was you gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? Because <laughs> it's just so badass. It is badass. Um, the other one is right after Curly. Uh, was it? Oh, it was Curly Bill gets uh, is about to get arrested by or taken under White Earp's custody after shooting Marshall White mm-hmm. and. Pistol one of the clans, one of the clans, you know, Lowell goes, you're so drunk, you're probably seeing double. And then that's the... I have two guns. I've got two One for each One for each of you. Those are my two favorite lines. Because that's just so, again, this is how cocky I am. This is how good I am. Mm-hmm. And you, do you want to you test wanna, Do you want to find out? Yeah, do you want to find out? <laughs> and then <clears throat> the other one was just the sheer balls... And how intimidated you feel with Ike when he has that gun pointed right at his forehead. <laughs> Don't do it, boys. He'll do it. Because he was like, turn your head into a canoe. I may not get everyone, but I'll turn your head into a canoe. And I'm like, that is a real ripe-looking image in my head right now. And that's <laughs> disgusting. But it works. It's so visceral. It is. He's the true – he's the character. Ike Clanton is the character you hate in this movie. Yeah, like you Curly, hate him more than, than Curly Bill Ringo or Johnny Ringo, Ringo or, yeah, because they're charismatic. Ike is a rat, and he's, he's a, a chicken shit. He's a chicken shit, dirty little tobacco stained rat. He's, he's a well, you know what? Curly Bill's not a coward. Uh, Johnny Ringo's not a coward. Ike Clanton is a coward. Mm-hmm. Coward dies a thousand deaths, right? Right. Do you have a favorite scene? Straight out of uh, Tombstone. <laughs> that scene <laughs> where the four of them are walking down. Straight out of Tombstone. That is. And badass, yeah. Like the, right before the shootout, the way it was, like yeah. you said, the way it was framed with the, the architecture and the fire in the background, where it's just like hell is following with them, you know? Yeah. And they're just they're those 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 dusters that yeah. just make them look like undertakers, awesome. and like they like they have no feet. Sort of this dark ethereal, and the hats, the the shit's gonna get real. Shit's about to get <laughs> real. Straight out of Tombstone, <laughs> crazy motherfucker named Wyatt. You know, yeah. I don't know if you've met me yet. <laughs> God, man, uh, mine goes like this. Mister Earp, would you mind signing an autograph for me, sir? My wife's not going to believe this. Wide Earp, huh? Heard of you? Listen now, Mister Kansas Law Dog. Law don't go around here. Savvy? I'm retired. Good. <laughs> that's real good. Yeah. Yeah, that's real good, Law Dog, because Law just don't go around here. Yeah, I heard you the first time. Winner to the king, $500. <laughs> Shut up, I. <laughs> you must be Doc Holliday. <laughs> that's the rumor. You retired, too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you look it. You must be Ringo. Look, darling. Johnny Ringo. The deadliest pistol ever since Wild Bill, they say. What do you think, darling? Should I hate him? 
You don't even know him. No, that's true, but... I don't know, there's just something about him. Something around the house. I don't know. Reminds me of... Me. No. I'm sure of it. I hate him. He's drunk. In vino veritas. Ajik Wurajis. Creda Judas Sotella non ego. Juventus Stultora. Magister. In pace requiescata. Come on, boys. We don't want any trouble in here, not in any language. That's Latin, doll. Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I really hate him. What's it, Johnny? I hear he's real fast. Curly Bill's buying. <laughs> Man, it's just one of those scenes where it's like, oh, you thought your dick was big? <laughs> Hold on. I don't even care if you shoot me. I'm going to spin this little silver sippy cup. Yeah. <laughs> you think one's going to negate the other, and you realize I'm just going to cut the legs out right from under yeah. you. I don't need to like, show you how bad I am I, at spinning I, a gun. That I'll can... show you later how good I am at using it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... I will not be pawed at, thank you very much. <laughs> I've used that one a time or two. Another one of my favorite lines in this movie is, uh, it was mentioned in the trailer, and it's like, why are you doing this, Doc? Because Wyatt Earp is my friend. Shoot, Doc, I got lots of friends. I don't. Yeah. I love that line. That is a great line. I still would love to see the John Carpenter version. Yeah, I had no idea that there was a potential possibility of being a Carpenter version. They could have done that instead of Escape from L.A. It'd be so much better. Um, if you could recast the lead, who would you pick to star in this film? My dad. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Nobody? I mean, other than the people. I mean, no. <laughs> Wyatt Earp in real life. Like, Kurt Russell plays him a little more likable. Mm -hmm. But Wyatt Earp in real life was like a teetotaling hard ass. Yeah. After he had issues with drinking, he stopped drinking. And right. that's why you always saw him drinking coffee in this film. You see more of that if you watch Wyatt Earp. You know? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, well, my dad's not an unpleasant person to be around, but my dad... <laughs> yeah, my dad. <laughs> my dad could play Wyatt Earp. Right. Because he is. Too, and he's never killed anybody, not that I know of. But uh, Actor-wise... Man, I don't know. It, it's hard. It's a hard one because... Several people have played him. Yeah, a lot of people have played him, depending on how far back you go. And how realistically you want to be the two that have done the best job are Kevin Costner and and Kurt Russell. In like a modern time. I put together I put together a modern cast without the brothers. Because So when you say modern cast, you're recasting who? I am recasting White Earp, Doc Holliday, Johnny Ringo, and Curly Bill. You now go. these are weird. 
No, that's fine. Not, not all weird, but the only one that I know I'm going to have to show you a face of most likely is the first one to play Wyatt Earp. Okay. First one I would have play Wyatt Earp is Lee Pace. If you've never, if you've seen any of Halt and Catch Fire, no. Okay, that's the guy who plays Halt and Catch Fire. He's uh, very stoic. Seems I know the I he's, know the face. Okay, he's he's been in other things as well, but that's where I know him from the most is Halt and Catch Fire, and he just plays that very kind of stoic, kind of hard ass to an extent in that that type of character. Okay. And I could see him portraying the same vibe, okay. at, you know, that Kurt Russell did. Uh, Doc Holliday, I put in Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Don't think so? No, it's, it's your crossword puzzle, No, no, puzzle, I'm just curious. Because that don't, one was the hardest I one don't, to go. I don't see it. I don't like him. Um, I Maybe I did have... Uh, I, I could have sworn I had a Doc Holliday. You you keep going. You keep going. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a quick So Joaquin here. Phoenix is Doc Holliday. Sure. Just Johnny Ringo. I put Jake Gyllenhaal. Hmm. Okay. Some of his later stuff, he's expanded his spectrum of what he can hit, and I could see him really playing that character on thick. Okay. And then as Curly Bill, I put Tom Hardy. As Curly Bill? Yeah. Okay. Tom, that was the actually that was the hardest one for me to. It's the hardest fill. being the hardest one for me right now. I'm trying to do this real quick. Like on the cuff. Talking. Yeah. <laughs> um. But those are the ones that I put. I was like, if I have to do the two brothers, if I have to do Virgil and Morgan, I said, I, I can't do it. I was so close to like Thursday night or Friday night, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I said, and it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to, you know, to replace Sam Elliott's Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Elliott's a hard one. Yeah. All right. So I can give you, I can give you Doc Holliday, and I can give you Wyatt based on the last sure. real time. Mm-hmm. Um, Wyatt Earp, Timothy Oliphant. Okay, because he's done Western. Justified. He, he did Justified, and he's done... What did he do? He did uh, Deadwood, didn't he? I think he did Deadwood. I think he was in Deadwood. HBO. Yeah. Okay, I can totally see that one. Um, And Johnny Depp. Maybe not Johnny Depp 2018, God, but... kill me. <laughs> Johnny Depp 2003? <laughs> Before or after Pirates? Before. Okay. Before he started to become... Like yeah. a characterization or caricature of himself. Um, yeah, exactly. If I'm doing Ringo, I'm doing Ringo from Pulp Fiction. Um, Tim Roth. Oh, that would work. Tim, Tim yeah. Roth. Tim Roth. Ninety-two to ninety. Tim Roth. Uh, Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Without okay. the without the accent. Don't don't play him with the accent. Which one? Which accent? He, he have him have him do an American accent. Okay. Yeah. Which he does. He does very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Curly Bill. I can't. I can't give you a Curly Bill. Because Powers Booth is a prick. Yeah. He's a good prick. He's a good prick. He's the one that can rate. He's one of those others. Kind of like, uh, he's kind of like um, Brian Dennehy, where he can kind of really play a, a really good good guy and a really good bad guy. Because he, because like in um, Red Dawn, voice. you know. Was he in Red Dawn? He was the pilot that got shot down. He was the one that kind of helped them. God, I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah, he was the pilot we that got. do that. Yeah, Makes Red sense. Dawn and something. Yeah. That'd be good. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, remember that, listeners. If we don't cover Red Dawn in season three, you know who to blame. I don't know. I wrote it in red, too. So it's, Everything's you know in it's, red. You know it's legit. Your pen is red, and all your notes are in red. My black, dude, I use my black pen. I use my black ink pen so much for this season, it's gone. I try to go, I try to alternate, but um, yeah, ran out of black ink. Need to get some new G2 pens. Um, does it still hold up? Absolutely. Yeah. 
It's a it's a period yeah. piece. It's, it's a, a historical period piece. Yeah, it's a historical period piece, but it's also pulpy. But it's really surprising. Oh wait, hang on, hang on a second, Nathan. Oh, it's uh, hey, it's it's Roadhouse expert Jamie Yost. Hey there, how are you guys doing? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What are you guys talking about? Uh, today we're talking about Tombstone. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you like Tombstone? I love Tombstone. It's a great <laughs> movie. Yeah, that was uh, Roadhouse correspondent Jamie Justice. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. Yeah. So does it still hold up? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I What I put down here is the the movie is filled with a lot of, like, almost cheesy dialogue. It's almost like it's on the, like, bleeding edge of if... Pulpy? Yeah. If this script had been placed in the hands of a less competent director that was there and actors with, like, less stature, Tombstone would have been an entirely different movie experience. And um, I don't think we would be sitting here talking about it today. No. That's that's how... Like, that happened actually a lot. If you go back and look at the, like, My Darling Clementine, like, the 50s, early 50s, mm-hmm. early 40s era versions of this story. Right. When they were just shoot, shoot, bang, bang. That's the porno version of this, is shoot, shoot, bang, bang. <laughs> Actually, it's bang, bang, shoot, shoot. <laughs> That's your title. Shoot, shoot, bang, bang. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, I have two other things. Okay. Yeah, go. Uh, one, can you <laughs> – we've already really talked about it. and We brought it up several times. Can you provide a better or at least comparable or comparable recommendation of the same genre? Yes. Um, it depends. I've, I've got four. I said Wyatt Earp. And yeah. the reason why I said wider, I, I agree with that. I said if you wanted a probably more historically accurate, well, still badass. Yes. when it comes down to, when it when the time comes, one hundred and eighty-one minutes of long ass badass. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's long in the tooth. It's uh, but it's good and it covers his his whole life. You see more of all of the crap that he was involved with before well, that got him to Tombstone. Boil it down. What's yeah. that movie called? What's this movie called? Tombstone. What's they're both about the respective titles. Yeah, very, very true. You make a great point. Sorry, that's right. No, that's it. That's that's that's, that's the only one. I would. So if you want to go, same story, a little more accuracy, a little more depth to the story. Wider. Yeah, it's it doesn't romanticize. The, the situation and the violence, and they try to not romanticize, romanticize it in, in this Tombstone, one, but, but it's still comparing one over the a, sure. apples to oranges. This one is definitely more romanticizing the violence in yeah. that in that manner. Exactly, but the characters are more caricatures than like more well-rounded. There's three-dimensional characters. You have more depth because you have three hours of a movie exactly that you can paint that picture where here I'm just painting with watercolors and I'll be done in 30 minutes, you know, and you'll have a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, if, if you want a couple of sort of rock and roll shoot from the hip kind of postmodern Westerns, young guns. I still, I mean, I've seen that a couple of times and every time I see it, it doesn't get any better. It's kind of historically has some details that aren't, Really historically accurate. lined up, but it's the Brat Pack Western. I would in some it's ways, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's that's a great way to say. Without it. Rob, uh, I would love to, I would love to see a more accurate version of that. Yeah, without Rob Lowe, that's what I was going. For. Um, <laughs> but as far as the story goes, it's 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 a fun, not fun, but it's a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a, I think I have it on DVD. Uh, no, it's on Amazon. It's on if you have Amazon Prime, 
it was a made for TV TNT. Um, You're not selling me so far. <laughs> no, it's called pur- it's called Purgatory. Okay. And all the Old West gunfighters, all the bad guys, quote unquote bad guys from the Old West, end up in Purgatory, which is this Old West town, and they can live out their lives there as pious sheriffs. And it's a dog tornado out there. <laughs> but like Doc Holliday's there, uh, Billy the Kid's there, um, Buffalo Bill. They all live out their lives in Purgatory, but they 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 can live there forever as long as they never pick up a gun or do anything violent. Until this b- gang rides into town, and ultimately it's it's sort of like a it's a little cheesy, but it's kind of a character turn. Right. They all choose to go to hell, like pick up a gun and defend the town and go to hell as opposed to or go to where go to wherever they're going to go after purgatory. It's a fun little made for Jeff Fahey's in it. He's Again, you're not selling me on this. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like an interesting concept. It's though. it's interesting enough concept. Yeah, this is definitely. A more testosterone-filled Western. You know, it's it's surrounded by violence, yet the violence, it seems justified. And since sometimes the cost of stopping violence is to fight violence with more violence. Mm-hmm. Um, the film has a, has a hard candy shell, but deep inside is a soft, chewy center that focuses on doing what's right when everyone else is wrong, for the most part, and the importance of friendship. You know? Yep. There's that... Everybody's against me, but this is the right thing to do. I'm going to keep going, even though everybody seems to be against me. You know, it's not the shootouts, which are magnificent, or Wyatt Earp and his immortals, you know, hunting down the cowboys that's important. You know, at the film's core, it's the emphasis on friendship and that nothing is worth going through life without your friend by your side. That's what makes this film great. That and Val Kilmer's performance. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I can't say that any better. And I, to add to that, I only have one one more thing, and that's um, one final Doc Holiday quote, and that's, "Poor soul, you were just too high strong. <laughs> You're no Daisy. You're no Daisy at all. Come on, come on." I did that out of order, but that whole scene. You can cut that up later. No, I'm yeah, gonna I don't think gonna, I can. I'm gonna leave it like it is. Like it is. It's rock and roll, man. It's rock and roll, man. <laughs> they shoot from the hip. Sometimes you hit them square in the head. Sometimes you just wing them. Sometimes you. Um, yeah. Something I wrote um, as I was doing my notes for Silverado. A soliloquy. Do you have a soliloquy it's a for bit us? Of a, it's a bit of a soliloquy. It's not about. Um, so the point t- to me, the point of this podcast is in part not to um, not to just watch movies, but it's. The older you get, you get you get a job, and you do you do work and you work hard. And for a lot of people, I think you come home from work and you just you watch The Office for the seven hundred fifty fifth time. Sometimes because it's just still funny. Because it's know? still funny, but right. and I'm not I'm not trying to watch new necessarily new movies, but I'm trying to like get out of a bit of a comfort zone. You know that's what that's what I'm trying to do with this is, and that's what's fun about this podcast to me. And that's why we're gonna do a third season. Me and the Pinto are going this way. <laughs> I'll take the bay and go that way. We'll meet up again in California. (laughs) All right. Well, again, until uh, next time, we're going nowhere special. Yeah. Happy trails. Cheers. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb.
Six Pack Double Feature presents Tangent. Look, the guys stray off topic and get distracted sometimes. By... I said dude a lot, but that doesn't mean anything. Okay, a lot. But it's still funny. Just think of it as a sweet, sweet clip show. What's on your mind, guys? I almost picked that scene of uh, Luca Brazzi. Luca's good. Oh. Or however it is that he does. Yeah. Okay, so. Or the horse. Something. You don't <laughs> see the horse die, necessarily. But it's implied, like Janet Lee. No, it's it's a real horse head. You do know that, right? I did not. It was from a... A horse. A horse. It came from a horse. Man of war. No, um, it was a real horse head. It was a dog food company. <laughs> <laughs> They got it um, from. Pure, it came from some type of slaughterhouse or something. Purina. I can't remember, but I think it was a legit horse head. Anyway, so um, these last couple episodes, gang, we're gonna try something new. Um, we're gonna call them chasers. What they are are questions you guys send us, um, and we've got them here where we can't see what they are beforehand, so we can't postulate or formulate rather an answer. We have to ask, or we ask and then answer them to each other. On the fly, and we don't have any time to prepare an answer. Maybe you know, a few seconds. Probably. Other than us editing it and taking we, out all the uhs. Correct, correct. <laughs> but, but yeah, by next season, the first episode of season three, we will tell you how to get these submitted to us, so as to not pollute the answer by us seeing them. Yeah. Um, Nathan's Perhaps. Nathan's lovely wife Lisa uh, prepared these questions herself, so I'm going to open the official. Envelope. I guess I'm going to go first because I have the envelope. Yeah. I guess they're I guess they're all questions. I don't know. We'll see. There's at least nine in here, so there's three left. Okay, super. Um, so, yeah. So, here we go. Am I... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have gotten this one. It would have been an easy one to answer for me. <laughs> okay. Is there a movie that defines you and your wife, or what is your couple movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you answer yours. I'll let you answer that one after I answer mine. Sure. Uh, the forty-year-old virgin. Nice. <laughs> Mine would have been Roadhouse. Okay, and the reason why forty-year-old virgin is when we started dating, um, that movie was very prolific on cable at the time, and oh, so we had both okay. seen it quite a few times, and we both um, we both had a had he- initial hesitations because we had had poor relationships in the past, mm, sure, and so. She saw me not necessarily as the the forty year old virgin, but she very much saw the similarities of me and my friends working in, in retail because we worked at Best Buy. I was one of those then. Huh? Yeah, you were one of those. Sean was one of those. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think Austin was one of those. So sure. yeah, there's there's quite a few, and <laughs> and so she drew a lot of those similarities. And I'm like, we're not even close to that, but right. But there's a lot, figures. but there's a lot of similarities to it as well. So yeah, that be, kind of became our movie, just just in that manner, and just, it's cool. just so funny. <laughs> so yeah, the forty year old virgin. How would you, yours is Roadhouse? Why is it Roadhouse? It's just it's Jamie's favorite movie. Okay, and I know that we can we can almost pretty much put that on at any point and watch it, and we're both okay because we both love it. Your question is: Who was your movie crush at thirteen ish? And now, ooh, that's I. Natalie Portman in The Professional. 
when she was 13 or well, when you the, were 13? <laughs> both, because we're the same age. Uh, yeah, I would say that because I remember seeing, like, wow, Allie Portman. Uh, now my crush, I guess, would be I really have a thing for Emma Stone. I want to say I have a thing for Emma Stone, but uh, yeah, I like her eyes. Okay. I would like to. I would like to put them in my pocket. No, did I say that out loud? No, I didn't mean that. Not in my pocket. Not in your pocket. No. Uh, yeah. As a kid, it was Natalie Portman in in that movie, uh, The Professional, and now it would be Emma Stone. Yeah, I can see that. Um, mine would have been uh, Kim Cattrall, Mannequin. Oh, okay. Okay. And now? Uh, now. I'm drawing a blank on her name. So as you take this out, I'm going to have to look up a movie to get her name. <laughs> uh, it's Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I think it started with Wedding Crashers. All right, if I Yeah, if I had thought like 15, 16, it would have been... Alicia Silverstone. Uh, for me, it would have been Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. What movie? Uh, Wolf. Oh, okay. I started with Batman Returns, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. her eyes are, are amazing in that. They are. All right, gang. So that's a quick little chaser for you. We'll try this on the next couple episodes and see see how it do. Law don't go around here. Savage. Which, you know, actors are pampered babies in some ways, but that sucks. Like, I don't like to be out in the cold. Yeah. And, and they talked about it a lot. In yeah. That. And said it was cold. It was very, very cold. And, and, and they did it. They did it in New Mexico to avoid colder temperatures up in like utah or colorado um but the landscape is beautiful and so the the way it's shot it's like it's very epic yeah yeah which was that's what that was the intention law don't go around here savvy um i think they also could have called this movie kevin klein's quest to gain his outfit back (laughs) (laughs) to regain his outfit yeah yeah he starts out like at the beginning of a video game (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) It's like you mentioned you earlier. You need to clothe yourself and arm yourself. <laughs> or you'll first you're going to die because it's cold. First you're in the desert and you're going to die. And then once Emmett comes across to you and I love how they meet each other and it's like, you know, he gives him a drink. Did I miss something? He can't when the hell did him. we get to Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> but he hands him, you know, the canteen. And before he hands him the canteen and he says something, but you can't tell because he's so parched in his mouth and throat is dry. He gets a drink and then it's like. Pleased to meet you. You know? <laughs> Law don't go around here. Savvy? Yeah, I think Lisa and I have, uh, have talked about the fact that when uh, we decide to get another dog, we're probably going to name her Payton or him Payton. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a Just little side note right little, there. little side note, little thing. Enjoy that on the tangent reel. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Law don't go around here. Savvy? That's hard work being a farmer. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. I'm better at firing a gun. <laughs> Gambling and drinking. Yeah. So uh, And this little midget lady is and Emmett, be- And with Emmett, it's just a possibility of, well, I could come back. My family lives here. My sister and brother-in-law and nephew are here if I never need to come back. Piece of yeah. ass right yeah. here. <laughs> Free booty call. No one else is. If no one else has moved in on this property, I might. Law don't go around here. Savvy. Which is just a British cop thing, right? Here it's what the hell are you kids doing? Yeah, but in the you know in the forties uh, and fifties in England, is, and what's and, oldest thing? Yeah, 
I never I never knew that that was a Monty Python trope that he pulled right in. Yeah, I've, I th- it's great. I just never knew that until the other day. Oh, really? The other day? Did you find mm-hmm. that in trivia? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Law don't go around here. Savvy? His eyes look he, look like he is perpetually high on pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he may have been. I don't know. No, his eyes always uh, look like that. No pupils. Yeah, like I said, maybe he's always high on pills. He would be dead. Law don't go around here. Savvy? <laughs> it's just, I don't get, I mean, I get the imagery. I don't get the thought process of, hide your face. Dude, we're going to know. Jim, you have one eye that's good and one eye that's bad. Rick's got the <laughs> like the flashy coat with the beads on it, and he's got the long. Curly the bandana Eddie. is not helping. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the Eddie Vedder hair. We all know who you are. <laughs> is that not the same saloon from Back to the Future Three? Mm. I know they built that town, and it was used in other movies. Yeah, this was not mentioned, so probably not because I don't think they filmed that movie in um, New Mexico. Oh yeah. They pretty much, yeah, well, and I think they built that saloon specifically for interior scenes, Mm, so I don't think that that's the same saloon. Law don't go around here. Savvy? He's no Kevin Klein, but Kevin Klein's no Brent Spiner. And Kevin Klein hasn't been relevant for at least 10 to 15 years now, for the most part. True. Neither is Brent Spiner. True. You make... But they're, they're... Probably not having this conversation in a... And they're probably not listening to this podcast, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need to worry about that. Law don't go around here. Savvy? Uh, Tombstone 2? Tombstone the, as well. The sequel? Yes. Tombstone 2, Holiday's Revenge. <laughs> um, Ike's Revenge. <laughs> uh, Law don't go around here. Savvy? Justice, not Jesus, is coming to Tombstone. <laughs> uh, that's not the uh, intro I wanted to make. Out you like the, the '90s trailer music? Oh man, in a the, Western trailer, the weird ass what we thought was going to be Point Break. For I a swear, I both <laughs> you and I, our eyes locked and went. Am I playing the Point Break trailer? One hundred percent pure adrenaline. Law don't go around here, savvy. I hope you did trivia on this one because I didn't. Tom we prepare for the trivia on this I one. I <laughs> did. I did do trivia on this one. All right. All right. Yeah, I did trivia on this one. Yeah. I got seven pages of it. Yeah. For, I could have. I could have. Get comfortable. Good. <laughs> God, do I love this movie. Yeah. I do too. Uh, Law don't go around here. Savvy? The uh, implication from hearing that trailer is that anyone that has to address Michael Bean that doesn't know him personally has to call him Mr. Bean. <laughs> I think that's funny. I also probably mispronounced his name for a dozen years. I've said I always thought, I thought I was Behan for the longest time. That's and I don't sheriff. even think I'm that's right. That's the that sheriff. is the sheriff. In Tombstone. Law don't go around here. Savvy? That was a corn-filled turd. Yeah. Or turd-filled corn. Either way. It's- I don't want to eat it. <laughs> Is that texture? That's just the texture corn. and temperature. Yeah. Um, Not, mind you, you're eating poop. <laughs> um. Law don't go around here. Savvy? Uh, <laughs> Priestley, Billy Zane, Billy Bob Thornton, Charlton Heston, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah it's like, we got three lines for you. All right, I got it. That's all right. I'll do it. And I'll do it. Lowell. Well. Lowell, Lowell from Wings. Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. 
seeing Lowell from Wings. He's done. Yeah, he he's got done. With, he got with Costner, I believe, and has done. Was with, he in Open Range? Uh, he was in something. He, he may not have been Open Range, but he's been in some other things. He's done so. some like some good western stuff, which you can tell. He kind of found his stride. Yeah. Um, Law don't go around here, savvy. I find it hard to comprehend that someone that that's that high on opium, like Curly Bill, would be so inclined, would be more inclined to do nothing rather than go nuts out in the middle of the street. Sure. Now, granted, again, I never smoked opium. I never smoked opium. Same here. So I can't say it from personal experience, but I just I know it's the catalyst to move into the next act of the of the structure of the story. Sure, but it's just like I usually most the way that's the way the movies portray like you know smoking opium and and, t- and shooting heroin. They don't want to do anything. They want to listen to Black Sabbath. Yeah, they just want to smoke cigarettes. Yeah, have you ever eat, seen Train Spotting? Eat cheese. They don't want to do anything after they shoot up that heroin. Law don't go around here, savvy. One of your favorite lines. You, Nathan and I have known each other since 2006, and we quickly figured out we both love this movie. <laughs> Periodically, one of us will go, yeah, well, I hope you die. <laughs> Which is the line after, uh, hey, let's have a spelling contest. Uh, well, he goes, he's, he's, just, he's just drunk. He's got tuberculosis. Yeah, well, I hope you die. <laughs> what a dick, childish, petulant thing to say to yeah. someone. But it's so funny. Mind you, we say it so much that I said it when I walked out after we stopped recording Silverado. <laughs> when I went, well, I hope you die. I hope you die. <laughs> Law don't go around here. Savvy? I guess that that wraps us for a season. Well, hold on. Oh. Wait just a minute. Oh. No. Well, before we go, I have final thoughts. Oh, yes. Now, yes. now granted, unless you want to stop before we give our final thoughts, and we'll just give it as like a no, I'll do cliffhanger fi- ending for season three. <laughs> I'll do some final thoughts. Oh, did we get a season three? Uh, yeah, we got renewed. Oh, sweet. I got the call on the red phone. Excellent. It was Batman. He said, season three, as long as you do Superman three. I said, all right, you got it. We'll, t- um, we'll talk about season three in a minute. All right. Uh, Law don't go around here. Savvy? Watch out for your ear, Creek. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. The way... Johnny Ringo gets capped, you would think there would be less of a head left than there is in the end of that shootout. Yeah, but that's not. That doesn't make for a good shot of his head's all <laughs> cheeseburgered up. Oh, he didn't want that steak raw? <laughs> sorry about that. Cattle brains? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, darling. He's going to turn his head into a canoe. <laughs> Law don't go around here. Savvy? There's a new sheriff in Dixville. <laughs> all right, fun guy. <laughs> All right, fun guy. <laughs> 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 okay, six pack double feature. Two friends, two mics, two movies, too much beer. Maybe we'll slow down a little bit on that. I know. Okay. I know. Bart. Okay. What? What now? Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. In Southeast Asia, we call this type of thing bad karma. <laughs> <laughs>